You're listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, episode 006. You're talking about putting your fuck parts in my head where my brain lives. We can't do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why not? You know, in nature, only a handful of creatures made for life. This is the Touch of Flavor podcast. Dating and relationship advice by kinksters for kinksters. Join us as we tackle BDSM, sex, non-monogamy, and how to build extraordinary relationships in an ordinary world. And now your hosts, Cassie and Rigel. Hey everyone, so today we're going to be answering a question that was sent in a while back, and we decided to take an entire episode to answer it. And what we're going to be talking about today is dealing with children when you're polyamorous. So we're going to talk about the three principles that we use to deal with uh, children, both our own child and our partner's children uh, in our polyamorous relationships. We're also going to cover some practical issues, uh, including what to tell your kids and when, talking with schools and sports teams and members of the general public and explaining their relationship to them, and also going to talk about discipline and child rearing and a whole bunch of other things. So without further ado, let's get started. Hi, I'm Cassie, and this is... Rigel. And today we're going to be talking about polyamory and children. Yeah, so the way this topic came up was kind of interesting. So earlier this year, we were doing some Facebook Live uh, broadcasts, which were fun. Um, they were kind of hard to do consistently, though, because of the equipment requirements, and it was hard for people to watch after we did it. So we were moving to podcasting, but we had been taking uh, suggestions for topics. And one of the last suggestions that we got uh, before we stopped doing them was if our next one could be on polyamory and children, um, which we thought was pretty interesting. So we actually do a lot of stuff on children and BDSM and polyamorous relationships and things like that. Children and PDSM sounded wrong. Having children in the house when you're kinky, <laughs> I guess more so. Um, actually, one of our earliest classes Cassie still teaches is called Mommy and Madams, which is a little bit more of a uh, keeping it kinky after kids kind of topic. But we wanted to kind of specifically focus on um, the question, which was um, parenting and polyamory because I think it's actually really important and it's kind of a huge topic just on its own. Yeah. And the thing is, is that polyamorous relationships kind of take different forms. And um, a lot of times people just don't know where they fit in that dynamic, especially if you're not the parent um, of the child, the original parent, the birthing parent, whatever you want to call it. Um, But the partner who's coming in, uh, knowing kind of your role and how to deal with those things can be sometimes very difficult. Yeah. And so the reason it's important is because, you know, none of the stuff that we do happens outside of a vacuum. And we all have got that like fantasy where like we go and like we do something and we're kinky for a weekend. And, you know, it's like the perfect scenario that you get in like a romance novel or whatever. But in reality, in real life, you know, we all have a lot of us have kids, we have families, we have houses, we have jobs, and you have to balance all those things and kind of deal with those practical issues that arise if this is something you're going to be doing, you know, on a regular basis and not just on the weekend. Yeah, and that's kind of like the difference between swinging and like polyamory. Like if you're just hooking up with someone to have sex, like it's a lot easier to not deal with these problems than if you are uh, in a relationship where your kids are going to be around your partners all the time. And the other thing is, if your kids are going to be around your partner, they're going to know. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but that's something you got to keep in mind and it's something that you have to deal with. So we have kind of uh, three main principles that we use when we're dealing with polyamory with 
um, our children. And we're going to kind of go through those, and then we're going to go through kind of some of the more practical issues. But just a little bit about our background with this. So we have a son who is now 13, um, and we have been poly since he was... Three. Yeah, and I think, how old was he when he, the first partner of ours that he would have really met and gotten to know as a partner? Um, That would have been our partner that we'll use the term Jay for. Um, He met Jay when he was... Uh, well, actually, no, I'm incorrect. So there's there's partner C who he met, and he did have some interaction with her quite a bit. Um, and he would have been in kindergarten at the time, so um, just getting ready to go into first grade. So about five or six, right? So since then, and um, you know, since that time. Um, so he's been around Polly. Um, we've had partners who have had kids ranging anywhere from 18 months to 16 years old. Um, and you know, and we've also, we've had living partners. We've had one partner who's lived in with us, who's had a child. Um, and you know, now we have a living partner who's actually very, very involved, uh, in our son's life. So let's, let's talk a bit about these principles first, if you want to start. Um, so for me, the first principle is truth. Um, and it's super important. Um, I think that, you know, being honest and truthful in any kind of relationship, whether it's with your children or your partner, um, it's sort of what, you know, keeps our relationships healthy. But with that, um, I sort of go with the, the theory of telling the truth nothing but the truth, but not necessarily all of the truth. And we'll get into that a little bit more later. Um, But truth is kind of a big one because the thing is, is that as much as we want to uh, assume our kids don't know things, they're going to catch on. Yeah. And, you know, our kids are more perceptive than we realize. Um, I like to tell the story, but we had uh, a one partner who we were not living with, but we were there a lot. Um, and she had two children. Um, and at the time, I think they were, our son was probably. He was um, about seven, getting ready to turn eight at the time. And she had uh, two kids and one was uh, three, going to be about four. And then the other one was um, around six years old. Yeah, so our partner, we had been seeing each other for a while, and she wasn't really out with her family at that point, her parents, um, about what was going on. So uh, her kids have been visiting her parents, and we were over, and we were all up in the bedroom. I don't think we were actually doing anything. We were all up in the bedroom, and uh, her kids came back early. And um, so they came in the house with our partner's mother, and, you know, she's kind of like, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, my mother's here. Like, I haven't explained the situation yet. Um, so the kids come running upstairs and they're like, Cassie and Rigel are here. Cassie and Rigel are here. And she's like, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. Like, my mother doesn't know. And she kind of had to do some explaining at that point as to what was going on. Um, and after her mother left, we talked to her kids and she was like, you know, how did you know that Cassie and Rigel were here? She's like, oh, we, we, we saw their shoes down by the front door. So we knew they were here and we knew they had to be upstairs because we didn't see them downstairs. So the kids pick up on a lot more than we realize. Um, that same partner, 
a little later, we had something where uh, we were all showering and her her youngest daughter got upset and our son was kind of like big brothering her and like, you know, coming and they were knocking on the door to try and get attention. And I answered because it was the easiest for me to get dressed. And, you know, I answered the door and uh, her daughter's like, you know, where's mommy? Where's mommy? And I'm like, oh, mommy's in the shower. You know, she'll be out soon. So she goes downstairs and our son looks at me and he goes, you were in the shower too, weren't you? <laughs> he totally called you on that. <laughs> yeah. So the kids are a lot more perceptive than we give them credit for. So you have to tell the truth uh, to a certain extent because the kids are going to notice stuff and you have the choice of either explaining it or having them think that you're doing something wrong. And that's one thing that you most likely don't want. You don't want them to think that you're cheating on your spouse or that you're doing something that is morally wrong um, because, you know, kids take that stuff to heart and it can really damage their perception of the relationships that they have with their adults or the adults are having amongst themselves. And, uh, you know, the thing is, is inevitably you're going to end up having some of these conversations if you have someone around long enough. And the other thing is, you know, in our house, especially like honesty is one of the most important things that we try and teach in our house. And, you know, kids, when you're lying and they find that out, they hold that against you forever. And, you know, trying to kind of teach how important honesty is in life and in relationships while uh, misleading our child about our own relationships would be very counterproductive. Um, so with that, like, you know, as I said, you know, they might think things are worse, things like that. So you want to tell the truth, but you want to make sure that it's appropriate for their age. Um, so... Telling the truth is one of the principles. Um, having that truth be age appropriate is kind of the second one. The last, uh, the last kind of factor with that is remembering that your kids are not your friends. And what we mean by that essentially is um, you don't always owe them an explanation. Not that you owe your friends an explanation about things all the time either. But you don't owe your children an explanation. And sometimes the correct answer is, you know, to just tell them that something is not their business. So the last principle is your kids are not your friends. And um, occasionally we see where parents tell their kids far more than they really need to know. Um, and, uh, you know, keeping that in mind that your kids don't need to know everything. And one of the lines that we use with our kid, and it's perfectly reasonable to use, is it's none of your business. Like, um, you can give an explanation if you want. Say, for instance, you're, you know, going out on a date with somebody. Um, you know, you can say, I'm going out with a friend or I'm going out with someone. Um, but you don't have to get into the details with it. And if you don't want to say anything, you can tell the kids it's not their business. That is a perfectly reasonable answer. All right. So kind of the three principles that we deal with, again, are telling your kids the truth, making sure that truth is age appropriate, and you're realizing that your kids are not your friends and uh, you don't need to give them too much information. And there also may just be times that you have to tell them stuff's none of their business. And that is a perfectly acceptable answer. Um, you have a right to privacy in your relationships. You don't owe your children an explanation for everything. And, you know, sometimes the answer may just be that's none of your business. But what those factors kind of set out, let's talk about uh, some of the more practical issues that come into play when you're um, poly and you have children. So the first factor is going to be uh, 
I think that most people are worried about is telling your kids. Like, when do you tell your kids? When's the right time to tell your kids that you're in a poly relationship? And how do you do it? Um, I mean, it really comes down to the particular relationship. Um, but a lot of times what I tell people is it's sort of like monogamous dating. Like, at what point would you feel comfortable telling your partner that you're dating somebody? Um, it probably isn't going to be the first time that you go out with them or even maybe the second or third. But once it gets to a point where that partner is going to be around your children, is going to be interacting with your child, it's probably a good time to, you know, be able to give them an idea of who this person is. Um, and letting them know who this person is in and, and it being a factual thing is important. Um, don't call people aunts and uncles. Uh, that's a big no-no and can be very confusing. Like your kids are going to wonder why later down the road you're making out with their uncle. Um, <laughs> so uh, it's important to be able to, uh, you know, give them an idea of what the relationship is. So at the point where you feel like this person's going to be around your children a lot and it's going to be an interaction that they're going to be having, it's usually probably a good time to bring it up because they're going to start figuring it out. Yeah, like for us, we have um, plenty of of people that we play with who are just play partners that we see at parties, um, you know, or at events uh, that our our kid has never met. Um, and he most likely never will. I mean, we have, we have plenty of people that he's just never met that we do stuff with. Um, and there's, there's no reason to give any kind of explanation to him for that because he doesn't meet him. It doesn't affect him at all. He doesn't require any explanation for him. He doesn't know them. We have other people who are friends with benefits, uh, you know, who are friends of ours, who we do stuff with on occasion, um, but we're not involved with them romantically. And our son knows, hey, you know, these are friends. He knows them. He's met them. He's probably hung out with most of them to a certain extent, but he's not aware of, you know, the sexual or play portion of that relationship. Because again, it is none of his business. And he there's no, <laughs> he doesn't need to know. There's no reason to be explaining that to him. Um, but once we have a partner who we're seeing romantically, um, same thing, you know, first couple dates, if we're just going out, we're just meeting this person, we don't know how much they're going to be around. Um, you know, again, there's no reason we might say, Hey, we're going out on a date and, you know, go out and go have dinner with somebody, but that's pretty much the extent of it. Um, but if it's somebody that we've seen a while, they're starting to come around the house. Um, you know, you kind of, it's getting that obvious point that, you know, you're in a romantic relationship and anytime you're in a romantic relationship with somebody, people can tell just by hanging around you, unless you're purposely covering it up. And, you know, if it's to that point where this person's starting to come over to our house and, you know, maybe get involved in our lives and they're over on a regular basis and, you know, they're, around our kid at this point, because anybody who's seeing us regularly enough is going to be interacting with our child. Um, you know, then it's time to give an explanation and, and, you know, kind of tell them who this person is. Yeah. Like we've had instances where, you know, our son has called us on it before we actually introduced the partner as a partner or someone that we were like seriously dating. He's like, Oh, you keep doing the eye blinky things and are flirting. Obviously you like this person. Um, so at that point it's usually a, uh, good time to, uh, you know, fess up a little bit to your kid. Yeah, that story was actually fantastic. So our son was much younger at the time, maybe six or seven. 
and Cassie's talking to a girl and our son goes to her. He's like, you like her. I can tell you like her. And Cassie's like, what are you talking about? He's like, because you do that thing with your eyes and sits there and bats his eyes. <laughs> that thing with your eyes when you talk to her, I know you like her. So this gets back to that whole thing of the kids are perceptive and they will pick up on stuff. And they'll call you on it. Um, but yeah, so I think at the point where uh, you're having somebody over and they're they're around your child. I mean, a lot of these things I think are really a lot simpler than we make them out to be. And a lot of these questions can also be answered just by asking yourself, uh, if I was in a monogamous relationship, when would I do this? How would I do this? Which is the same thing for a lot of things in polyamory. But if you were in a monogamous relationship and you were dating somebody, at what point would you feel the need to tell your kid you were dating? Probably at the point where they're coming around regularly and it's looking like it's going to be a thing. Yeah. And they're around your child. As far as how to tell them, well, partially I think that depends a lot on the type of relationship again. Yeah. And I mean, if it's going to be someone that is going to be interacting with your children and you have a romantic relationship, you know, it's probably a good idea to figure out how you want to define that person. And as I said before, don't define them as aunt or uncle. But um, if it's going to be, you know, this is a partner, this is my girlfriend, this is my boyfriend, um, you know, how are you going to define that to your kid is kind of the important thing is is figuring out how you want to identify that person and also how that person wants to be identified to the kid too. Um, but uh, kids are a lot more accepting than, you know, we think they're going to be. We see how adults react to polyamory and things like that. And, you know, it might be negative or whatever. Most of the time when you tell a kid like, this is my partner or my boyfriend, they're like, okay. You know, so it's, it's a lot easier just to be honest and open about what it is. Yeah. Like I was saying earlier, you know, we've, we've dated people with kids anywhere from 18 months to like 16. And a lot of people that we talk to, they're really concerned, like, oh, how's my kid going to react to this? You know, if I tell them, blah, 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 blah. And the thing that I like to tell people is the kids don't think it's weird. It's the adults. Um, we've never had a problem explaining to kids or our partners explaining to kids, especially the younger they are. You know, when they get a little older, it can be a little... Uh, I guess a little more impactful because they already have an idea of those cultural norms and what's expected. But when they're younger, I'd say like eight and under, maybe they really don't blink twice about it. Um, you know, cause they, they don't have that concept yet of this is culturally acceptable. This isn't culturally acceptable. Yeah. They don't have the thought that like monogamy is the way like for them, they see, Oh, well I have five best friends. Why can't mommy or daddy have two girlfriends or three boyfriends. So um, their, their sort of way they think about it isn't the same way as an adult or an older, much older child would. Yeah. So, you know, when you tell your kid when it's appropriate, really, how are you going to tell your kid, uh, again, is going to be somewhat dependent on the type of relationship and um, I guess your, your particular situation and how you've talked to your kids before. Um Again, if it's a friend with benefits or, or you know, a play partner or things like that, well, a play partner, as I said, you really don't need to tell your kids at all. But if it's a friend with benefits, you can keep it at that or, or something along those lines. Yeah, they're just a friend. If it's somebody you're dating, you can keep it as, hey, this is somebody I'm dating. And once you've introduced them to that concept, that's not going to be a strange thing to them. Um, if we're dating somebody and they're starting to be around, we just tell our son, yeah, this is somebody that we're dating. And, you know, 
we're going to see where it goes. So along the lines of that, like we were talking about how like kids don't have these constructs. Um, and, uh, years ago, um, we were going to a, uh, 4th of July party, right? And, uh, we were with some friends and our child was with us and, uh, we had our friends, A and C, who were married and he had met A and C a bunch of times and, um, A was not there. Um, and C, the husband of that, that, you know, um, married couple, um, was there with his girlfriend R and, uh, our son was there and a little bit of a funny thing. A and R look a lot alike. Um, they're both got red hair, both kind of more shorter, thin girls. Um, obviously C has a type. Uh, so our son who was little at the time was kind of confused as to who, uh, R was, he thought R was a, cause he had always met a and had never met R before. And throughout the day, um, C and R had been, you know, being lovey dovey, kissy smoochy, that kind of thing. Um, and we went back to our friend's place to play, uh, apples to apples, wasn't it? Yeah. And the thing about it too is the, what was, what made this partially so amusing is besides us, the crowd was vanilla, like for the most part, not kinky, not monogamous. Like they knew about the relationship, um, and they were cool with it, but that was, this wasn't anything that they did themselves or that they were really used to on a regular basis. Yeah. So, um, so we're sitting around playing apples to apples and our son turns to C and says, Hey, can you get um, A to pass me that or something along those lines? And it wasn't A, it was R. And uh, the whole room just kind of dropped dead for a minute, like dead silence, all the awkward looks like, oh gosh, how are we going to explain this to the kid? And um, C was like, uh, this is an A, this is R. And um, kind of gave us a glance and we were like, yeah, go ahead. And he was like, and R is my girlfriend. And our son kind of paused for a minute and was like, oh, so she's A's girlfriend too, because his concept of polyamory, um, because uh, Rigel and I tend to do more of the closed group thing is that, you know, if it, if if it's my girlfriend, it's Rigel's girlfriend. If it's Rigel's girlfriend, it's my girlfriend. Um, but uh, C and A's relationship was not that way. They're, they're in a, they were in an open poly relationship. So he was like, no, she's just my girlfriend. And um, our son kind of had this look like, what? And he asked if A knew. He was like, does A know? And uh, he was like, yeah, A knows. And he was like, okay. And he was fine with it. Like, even though it was something new and something different, his his perception was like, okay, people are cool with it. It's fine. But his little world was rocked for a minute. Yeah. So the next day he actually had a second question to it. Um, so he was like, so if C has other girlfriends, does A have other boyfriends who are not C's boyfriends? And I said, yeah. I was like, you know, A has some boyfriends that are not C's boyfriends and C has girlfriends that are not, I mean, uh, girlfriends that are not A's girlfriends. And he was like, and everybody's fine. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, everybody knows. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, okay. And that was it. 
So, um, you know, his, 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 uh, perception of Polly was that, you know, everybody dated together, but he was very open and accepting to it and was fine with it. Um, and that sort of plays into that whole, you know, kids are not stuck on these kind of preconceived ideas of what relationships are supposed to look like. So some examples of how to tell your kid, again, think of how you would do this if you were in a monogamous relationship. Hey, this is blank. This is a person I'm dating. I mean, I don't really think it's any, if you're, if you're in a position where you're just starting to date someone and you haven't really had a conversation with your kid about this person before that gives them any kind of contrary view. I don't really think that any more than that is really necessary. I mean, do you have any other suggestions for how to actually tell your child? Um, I mean, I think in the very beginning, if you're, if you are not yet ready to tell them that you're dating somebody, introduce them as a friend. Um, because that idea of people moving from a friendship relationship into a romantic relationship is a healthy one. It's a, first, first of all, it's healthy for your kids to know that good relationships usually start with a friendship. Um, but don't lie about the position of what that person is. Um, don't say, oh, they're uncle so-and-so or that they're a coworker or flat out lie to them. Because at that point, when you're just dating someone, honestly, they're a friend, right? They're not necessarily a serious partner. And if you have a younger kid, and like I said, you haven't given them any alternative information you're going to have to correct before, I think that's really all that's necessary. Um, and you don't even really need to go any deeper. Like I said, the kids aren't at all surprised by that. We've never had a kid under like eight or nine who we've explained this to. We've had to go like in depth into like poly relationships and like everybody knowing and everybody being okay with it and it not being cheating. That's never a conversation we've had to have with younger kids because again, they don't have that cultural norm set in their mind yet. Um, if it's an older kid, you may have to do a little bit more educating about you know, the difference between polyamory and cheating, everybody knowing about it, everybody agreeing to it, um, basically being informed and everybody consenting. And, you know, you can always use the kind of example, if you have to reinforce that further, that we tend to use with a lot of adults, which is, you know, everybody has multiple friends and that doesn't decrease your love for any particular friend, or it's not a problem for people to have a group of children and, you know, nobody thinks that it decreases the love available to love all those children. And just like that, having multiple partners doesn't somehow decrease the love that you have available for different partners in that relationship. Yeah. Um, but if you have told your children something else, um, cause you're saying from the, the, the side of if, you know, it's a blank slate. So say you have made some, uh, mistakes on labeling that person as something else, particularly the uncle and thing, which is just a big gur for me. Um, sort of the first thing is, is tell them the truth sooner than later. The longer you perpetuate a lie, you keep something from your kids, uh, the worse it's going to be, the harder it's going to be to come back from that. Just like with any lie that you tell anybody, it's no different than with your kids. Um, admit that you, messed up. Like your kids will actually, uh, appreciate you for being, uh, honest and admitting like, yeah, you know, we told you this, we shouldn't have, this is really what it is. Um, but the sooner you do it, the better. Yeah. And 
there's really, again, not a, not a complicated way to do it. Like if you to this point have been telling your child something else about your partners, tell them now because the longer you wait with it, um, the worse it's going to be when you finally do come out about it. And it is going to come out eventually. We see this kind of thing a lot with um, couples, especially who are dating other women, maybe together, um, where, you know, they'll have this person who is essentially a primary partner to some extent or should be a primary partner. Um, but you know, they're, they're treated like the dirty little secret. Like nobody in the family knows who they are. The kids all think they're, you know, a friend or an aunt or an uncle, which again is awful, <laughs> but it doesn't matter whether you're monogamous, not monogamous, like telling the kid that somebody that you're banging is their aunt or uncle is just a really bad idea to begin with. Um, but like, or, you know, like things where the roommate the roommate or like, okay, like every morning they have to be kicked out of the bedrooms so that the kids don't see them in the, in the room together or, you know, uh, anything from, you know, well, you can pick them up from school and drop them off from school, but, uh, you can't act in a parenting role. You can't say that you help parent the kids or that you're a partner or anything like that. Um, you're just a friend picking them up from school. Yeah, like all the all the responsibilities and none of the benefits of and none of the acknowledgement of being involved in the kid's life. And, you know, something to keep in mind for a second is we're doing a lot of talking about um, why you as a parent would want to be straightforward with your kid. But just for a moment, I just want to talk about from the point of view of that other person. You know, the thing is, nobody likes to be treated as the dirty little secret forever. Um, if this is a person who is around you regularly, who's maybe involved in your kid's life, um, nobody likes, you know, a denial of the role that they play in your life. Nobody likes to be hidden. Nobody likes to be the dirty little secret. You know, that creates a lot of hard feelings. It creates a lot of resentment. And it can lead a lot of times to relationships breaking down in and of itself. Um, and it's not fair. It's not fair to the person who's putting in all this effort and is a big part of this relationship and is getting no acknowledgement for it. And the more unfair of a situation that you create, the less likely it is that you're going to have stable relationships or that people are going to want to date you in the first place. Yeah, it's it's going to create a situation where um, it, it's going to come back and bite you uh, because nobody wants to feel less than. Um, aside from being the secret, when you're not uh, given that credit, you end up being treated less than not only by outside people, because outside people are going to take the lead of the parents, right? Like if the parents are treating this person like, oh, they're just a friend of the family, then outside people are going to do that too. But it also can create issues with the children inside the home, um, not regarding this person as being uh significant. Uh, I've had clients that I've talked to who, you know, one of the big issues as the incoming partner is kids kind of not respecting them as a, a parental figure because, you know, you're just the roommate. Like, why do I need to listen to you? And that can create some really hard feelings between everybody. And I think one of, from my conversations with you, one of the most common things you have poly people approach you for is people who are in relationships that have turned into longer term relationships. And there's been denying of that relationship by the, the first couple, you know, the people who were previously together to the children and other family members and to the rest of the world. And it winds up creating this huge sense of imbalance and hurt and 
you know, just unfairness and other problems in that relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, the thing with, you know, kids is it's, it's no different. Like, um, whether it's, you know, outside people or the world or whatever. Um, but especially when you are taking such a big part in the kids' lives, that can be really, really hurtful. So when and how to tell your kids, one big issue that we get a lot. One of the other ones is, um, one of the other big questions we always get is like, oh, what are the kids going to see? Like, what, <laughs> what, what are the kids going to see? Or how, how is the, you know, the, the, like, public displays of affection going to affect the children. And it, it, it's really almost an insulting question because what people are really saying is, you know, when you become polyamorous, uh, all of a sudden you completely lose your ability to control yourself around kids and you're having like an orgy in the living room with the kids watching TV. I mean, that's really what I think people think is going yeah. on. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, and it comes from typically people who have no, uh, no, no education in polyamory. So they just think like, we're just a bunch of like rabid animals. Um, and the fact is, is that just because you're in open relationships doesn't mean you've, you've lost your sense. Um, so how do you interact around your poly partners in front of your kids? Well, how would you interact with your kids around any other partner? There are things that you would do like hold hands or kiss goodbye but there are certain things that you would not do in front of your kids with a monogamous partner. Don't do those things in front of your kids otherwise. And that is as much of a response as we're going to dignify that with. <laughs> uh, what I will say is that, you know, if you do have kids, especially as they get older um, and you have partners who are around regularly, they will realize that you're having sex with these people. Um, I don't think any kid who's getting into their teenage years thinks that somebody who sleeps with you in your room every night, that nothing is going on. Yeah. Um, but it's none of their business. You know, it's the same way between if you just have two people in the house, you know, they know it. It's none of their business. And you leave it at that. Yeah. Kids, kids know that their parents, you know, have sex. That's how they ended up here. If they've had sex ed, they figured it out by that point. Um, but again, it's not their business. So the next thing to talk about is how does your kid identify your partners? Um, you know, how do they refer to your partners and, you know, at what point do those, the way they refer to them change? Um, and this has to do with a lot with, you know, I think it, it can be kind of confusing to people when you have multiple partners in the house as to how the kid is referring to different people, uh, and things along those lines. Yeah. And this is going to be a very like relationship to relationship sort of thing. Um, for us, we introduce our partners when we're first dating as Miss So-and-so, right? Like it's Miss L, Miss B, whatever. Um, and that's what our kid calls them. Um, By their first name though. Yeah. yeah. Well, That'd be a I'm, little weird. <laughs> we don't use real names on here. Um, so whatever, whatever their, their actual name is, uh, but Miss So-and-so. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's typically what he calls them for a while. Um, we have not really gotten until recently a partner where he wanted to sort of take on more of considering her a mother figure. Um, and in the beginning he started, you know, not in the beginning of the relationship, but in the beginning of the process of looking her, looking at her as a parent, he started calling all of us his adults. Um, which is kind of a term that he's, he's coined at school is his three adults. 
Um, but it's going to be very specific with your relationship. That being said, um, what the incoming partner wants to be called and how the in intercoming partner is going to feel about it um, is a big part. Um, you really should talk to them about that. Um, somebody might not want to be Miss L forever. They might want to be mommy. And then there's other people who don't necessarily want to take on that that parental title either. So, Even when the kids are ready. Yeah. And I would, you know, I would suggest really it comes down to there's really three factors. How do you feel about it? How does the kid feel about it? And how does the incoming partner feel about it? I would not force a child to call a partner something that they don't want to. Um, I think that's probably a good way to build resentment. Let it build naturally. And if it gets to a point where the kid wants to call this person mom or dad or whatever the case may be, let it happen when it's at that point as long as the partner's okay with it. Exactly. So with the kid now having, you know, you you understand the roles and everything like that, um, but outside world isn't necessarily going to do it, uh, isn't going to know. So introducing the idea to... Um, you know, your family and school or other curricular activities. Um, how do you guys present that to them? Um, you know, for example, our kids involved in just about everything. Um, so we have to be able to explain, you know, the different relationships to uh, the different activities and teachers and things like that, that he has. Yeah. And, Again, this is one of those things that I think people make overly complicated and it's how would you address it with a situation where you weren't in a poly relationship and also, you know, kind of how is it necessary? Um, for us, out of all the partners we've had, maybe three of them have gotten to a point where they've gotten really involved in the child's activities that I can think of offhand. Um and again, if they aren't involved in the kids' activities and they aren't out around the kids' school or around his sports or things like that, there's not really a reason to bring it up to those people just to put it in their face. Um, but if they are, at some point, you're going to have to say something. Um, our partner now is... Uh, a member of the parent-teacher organization. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she picks the kid up from band practice. She goes to his PTO meeting. She goes to his lacrosse games. Um Half the time she's around more than I am because of my job. And, you know, when you do that, you have to explain. And again, I think the situation is at the point where it needs to be explained, you're better off explaining it honestly. So it's going to be determined a lot by where you live and sort of the society that you're part of, because certain places are a little bit more um, discriminatory than others. But in our experience, um, we haven't had a ton of backlash from our kids, uh, coaches and teachers and things like that. Um, we've introduced ourselves as his parents. All of us try to make it to all of the things that we can. And the coaches and teachers are happy that he has a lot of support. Um, so with that, you know, we had to make the choice because, you know, our partner was involved in these things to identify her as one of his parents because it was just at that point, uh, logical. Yeah. And I mean, obviously this is going to be very dependent on where you live, the reaction you're going to get. But the thing is, um, a, you're going to have to have some kind of explanation for it. B, you know, again, 
if you try and coach your kids to hide this from other people, they're going to think what you're doing is wrong. And that isn't an impression that you want to give. And also, again, it kind of regales that person to that third-class citizen. You know, if this is somebody who's around all the time and you're trying to bury it and you're explaining to everybody, oh, this is just one of our friends who's dropping him off at school, you're kind of sending them back to that third-class citizen status. And also, you know, if you're teaching your kid in a way that this is a okay thing, which hopefully you're doing, they're going to bring it up. Um, most of the people who know, you know, our partner and her involvement in chi- our child's life have been told that, by our child. He kind of came up with this concept of his adults and he explains that to people when it's relevant. Yeah. And I think a lot of people in the beginning, um, you know, we live in a society with a lot of mixed families. Um, so in the beginning, a lot of times people are like, oh, okay. So somebody's the stepmom or the, or the, you know, the, the birth mom, whatever. Um, but you know, honestly, they've been, introduced by him more than us, like more than us putting it in in, and being like, we're all his grownups. He's like, these are my adults. Um, And so, you know, it's going to come out, especially if they're using that terminology and looking at it that way all the time. I think most of the people think that you broke up with me and became a lesbian. Yes. Um, I I think that's a very common uh, misconception that goes on with our kids' school and, and activities. But with that being said, um, again, I think the best policy with it and our experience is, you know, if you're being honest with your kid already, you're trying to treat your partner fairly, you're trying to teach your kid that this isn't something wrong that you're doing. When this person is around enough and going to activity enough that it becomes relevant and you need to explain it, explain it then and explain it honestly. Um, one thing I do want to address real quick, because it's just been something for us this year is, you know, any potential backlash the kid might get from adults, but also from other children. And this isn't really something that we've had to deal with before this year, but our kids in his last year of middle school, and obviously, you know, the teasing and stuff becomes more of a problem and you've dealt more with that. So I wanted to let you just chat about that for a minute, because I think that that is a legitimate concern for people. Like, you know, if my kid comes out about this, how are, how's my kid going to be treated? Like I might be okay with how I'm going to be treated, but how is my child going to be treated? Um, so the thing is, is that I think with middle school, kids are going to find something to mess with your kids. So just understand that you are in, in, in a way giving ammo. Um, but overall, um, has he had a few kids say something or taunt him about it? Um, especially the more religious ones that are like, this is against God's way. Um, yes. Um, but for the most part, you know, he's been able to deal with it. Um, and it hasn't been a huge impact, like a daily impact on his life. I think it made him want to start a GSA at his school. Yeah, he did. (laughs) Um, and I think the, the stuff that hurts him about it more isn't necessarily the, the when when kids pick at him for it, it's more the statements that like your family's going to hell and yeah. things along those lines. It becomes more of a concern type thing that he's upset about because it's like, oh gosh, this is really hurtful things they're saying about my family. Um, I guess. Do you have any advice for dealing with those situations? Um, I mean, I think the biggest thing is is to be checking in with your kids. Um, this is regardless of your relationships, but you know, check in with your kids, make sure things are going well. If there are problems, be proactive, um, especially if it's coming from teachers. Um, if it's becoming a bullying situation, you know, talk to your school's counselor, that sort of thing. Um, be there for your kid. Don't just tell them, oh, shrug it off because sometimes you know things do really affect them. 
And like she said, do ask, because I think ours actually, it took us a little while to find out it was happening because he was just kind of the attitude of they're stupid. Yeah. And, you know, they don't know what they're talking about. And, you know, I don't care. I I don't, (laughs) I don't know about not care, but it isn't really important for me to bring up. Yeah. Um, So do talk to them about it. Um, Parenting and discipline. Like how is this person, this is another question we get a lot, like how involved is this person in uh, like decision-making for the child, you know, what kind of authority do they have? What kind of power to discipline do they have? Those kinds of things. So obviously, like if you're first dating somebody, like you aren't necessarily going to want to discipline the kids. Like if you've only been dating somebody a couple of times, only been around the kids a couple of times, you don't want to necessarily be the person who's like dishing out punishments or whatever. Um, but if you're in a relationship for a while, um, it's important for the kids to, understand that they have to take you seriously, that there are rules. Um, and so having some consistency, um, especially talking with, you know, if you are in a closed group talking amongst yourselves, if you're in a open group, um, having, you know, conversations about where those boundaries are is really important because, um, obviously, you know, outside partners, you know, if there's like, a the, the main dyad there, um, it might, you know, you don't want anybody stepping on anybody's toes. Um, but you also don't want that partner feeling like they don't have any ability to say anything or do anything. Yeah. I think it's always important for the kids to respect all the adults in their lives. Um, but beyond that, you know, what we'll do a lot of times is, and there's, there's no like rule of thumb really for it. Like as long as the kid's being respectful, you know, we'll watch. And if it's something where this person's around enough, we can see like there's problems where like they need to tell the kid to do homework and the kid's blowing them off. You know, it's time to sit down, have a conversation among all the adults and then have a conversation among the child and be like, look, this is what's expected at this point. As far as you listening, um, this is what they are not allowed to do as far as punishment. And it's kind of something that I think we let evolve as we see there being a need for it. Yeah. And I think, you know, having that conversation of like what is acceptable as far as, you know, uh, discipline, that sort of thing. Like, for instance, we we do essays, you know, like we make the kid do essays for certain things or extra chores. Um, and, you know, having that conversation with the adults of like what is the expectation of discipline for certain activities and certain things. So the last thing I kind of want to talk about, um, and this was kind of a a lesson for us from our child, Hen Polly, is um, the attachment to partners and, and kids that, you know, these children get for relationships that don't necessarily last. So, you know, obviously not all your relationships are going to last. And I think there's a very genuine concern among um, among people of, well, how is it going to affect the child if you have these partners, these relationships, and they get involved in the kid's life? And, you know, uh, the relationship doesn't last. The relationship winds up breaking up or changing forms or whatever the case may be. And it's a valid point. Um, but it's also the point that, you know, any other type of shape of relationship might not last either. And um, we sort of had a an eye-opening experience from our kid um, because we had a partner who had children um, who he got very, you know, attached to. One partner in particular, um, her son, who he got very, very attached to, who lived with us and everything. And um, 
we, you know, parted ways and he stopped seeing the kid. And at one point sort of had a little bit of a, a breakdown and was very upset. And he said, um, you know, although you guys might not be together, we, you know, the, the, the poly kids, as he called himself, um, you know, we, we still have relationships and we still care about each other. And in fact, he actually still really was attached to some of our partners. Um, and what, you know, it kind of like made us think about it. Like we need to make sure that we are, um, being respectful of his relationships with these, these other children or these other partners. And as long as that partner is a, you know, a healthy person for the kid to be around, there isn't like some major issue there. Um, sort of, you know, putting your differences aside with your exes and allowing your kids to have those connections and being able to have contact and things for their needs is important. Yeah. Um, I, I really think that our, our child has been enriched by all the different types of people that he's had relationships with and the different six, you know, the different things he's been able to learn and the different personalities. Um, and I don't, I don't think that it, you know, obviously when a person leaves and goes away, somebody who he's attached to, that's not something that he's happy about. But I think he's also been able to get a very good understanding of, look, relationships change. Maybe this person, maybe you're in a romantic relationship today. Maybe that can change into a friendship. It doesn't have to be, you know, anything bad. Um, but I, I do definitely think that as long as you said that person's healthy, it's important to kind of, if, if the kid and that person are close, uh, or children are close, especially, yeah. you know, to kind of let them foster that relationship uh, afterwards, um, after the relationship ends. And I also think it's a good lesson for them as well. You know, you can be friends with people, you know, just because, you know, we're on friendly relationships with almost all of our exes, just because a relationship doesn't keep working out romantically, that doesn't mean that you can't still be friends and you can't still, uh, you know, learn from each other and spend time together. All right. So we've talked a lot about Polly and kids. And honestly, we could talk for hours and hours more. Um, but we're going to sum it up here. Um, you know, I hope you found this useful and uh, we look forward to having you back next time. So if you have any other questions about polyamory and kids or any questions at all, you can go to our website, www.atouchofflavor.com slash ask. Uh, that's atouchofflavor.com forward slash ask. There's a form there. You can fill out a question. Uh, we will answer your question on air if we pick it. There will also be a phone number there that you can call and leave a message, and we can play your question on air and answer it that way. We look forward to talking to you, and we'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, where we're building relationships outside of the box. Got a question about kink, power exchange, or open relationships that you've been holding on to for years? This is the place to ask it. Submit your question at atouchofflavor.com slash ask, or leave us a voicemail at 833-ASK-TOF1.